Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, snowflakes, and welcome back to the New European podcast. My name is Steve Anglesey. I'm the editor of the New European. If you enjoy what we do, there really is no better way to support us than to subscribe. To make that decision easier for you, here's a fantastic offer for podcast listeners. New subscribers can get a year's digital subscription for just £1 a week, or you can buy a year's subscription to the print and digital package for just £2 a week. You'll have unlimited digital access, and our award-winning newspaper will be delivered to your door every week for a year. That's in the print and digital package. To take advantage of this exclusive offer and to join our growing community of avid readers, subscribe at theneweuropean.co.uk slash TNE podcast. This week, we know Boris Johnson isn't very good at doing his current job and 148 of his own MPs want him to stop doing his job. But what job could he do next? I'll be discussing that and an amazing week in British politics with the comedian and new European columnist, my friend, Mitch Ben. We'll have some of your thoughts on the matter too. And as ever, we'll be putting more blowhard backbenchers, malevolent ministers and putrid pundits into the hall of shame. So Mitch Ben coming up and we've been positively inundated with suggestions for what Boris Johnson could do next on the back of Mitch's column in the latest edition of the New European. Iris Cook says... Boris Johnson should do nothing at all. That would be the best solution for everyone. Brian Hanley says, Boris Johnson's next job should be a character in a horror film who says in the first 10 minutes, what was that noise outside? I'll just go out and take a look. Kerry Booth says, nettle liquor. Uh, And we've got a couple of punk and new wave ones here, very much my era. Michael Cowell says, Boris Johnson's next job should be breaking rocks in the hot sun. And Gary Kelly says, in the words of Ian Dury, either an inmate in a long-term institution or the ticket man at Fulham Broadway Station. He says probably best if Boris Johnson does the latter job because ticket man at Fulham Broadway Station is a role that no longer exists. And Deborah Lockwood, remembering that amazing government advert from not long ago, says Boris Johnson's next job could be in cyber. He just doesn't know it yet. Before we go to Mitch Ben, a reminder of another brilliant podcast from The New European. On the night between November 23rd and November 24th, 33 people were trying to stay alive in the English Channel. They were in a tiny inflatable, too many of them, and it was deflating. 
They called for help over and over again, but nobody came to help them. By morning, they were dead. This was the worst tragedy of its kind, and it took place in one of the world's busiest shipping routes between two of the world's richest countries. In the days that followed, we learnt more about the people who died, men, women and a young child, but their stories were soon eclipsed. First, there was a political row over who was responsible for the deaths. Then the story faded away to be overtaken by government scandals and the coronavirus pandemic. The new European has spent a month retracing the journeys of some of those who perished. Where did they come from? Why did they leave? What drew them to Britain? And why did they have to die when the ships that could have saved their lives were so close? In this three-part series, we tell their stories because they deserve to be told. And we ask, what can be done to fix a system that's so inhumane? The whole series of The 27 is now available to stream or download in the same new European feed where you found this episode. Now, what a fantastic uh, long weekend of events to mark the Queen's 70th year on the throne. We did the Trooping of the Colour on the Thursday, then we did the Booing of the Dullard on the Friday. Uh, then we had named that tune with uh, Rod Stewart party night on the Saturday, uh, the right royal hangover on uh, Sunday, and then the attempted decapitation of the Prime Minister on Monday. Makes you proud to be British, all that, doesn't it? Uh, to discuss it, the ace comedian, the new European columnist, Mitch Ben. Mitch Ben, now I know you are a, a, a massive royalist, reporting uh, ah. everywhere, so just talk <laughs> us through from, you know... Maybe a, a sort of a Nick, Nicholas Witchell style. All the moments <laughs> of the, the Platinum Jubilee that you really enjoyed. Well, I mean, the thing is, I am, I think what you best described as royal agnostic. You know what I mean? I am neither God bless their majesty nor string the buggers up, you know? And there's, there's, there's a, a, a comfortable distance between those. And I inhabit some point in that distance. I, I, I don't particularly object to them. Well, not all of them as individuals. Uh, I sort of recognise the institution for the the shambling anachronism that it is, but also recognise that I think there are weird ways occasionally in which our society benefits from the existence of that anachronism. If you ask me to vote one way or the other, I'm generally not, not sure which way I'd jump. But with regards to the Platinum Jubilee, I didn't see a damn thing. I was just I was just doing other stuff. I've also not been very well, as you can probably hear. I, I got slapped with the COVID fish about two weeks ago. And um, I'm only, you know, I, I was testing positive for about a week and a half. So I'm not that long out of the... In fact, I'm not completely out of the woods yet. I'm not testing positive anymore but i'm still coughing up you know chunks of whatever it is and um you know the brain fog has yet to entirely lift but i was just really not in the mood for i mean i might have been and then i heard somebody call it platy jubes and i thought screw this (laughs) the minute i heard that of of, right this right this is nothing i want anything to do with it that's what it's called i mean the 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 state of the state that you described there very very hoarse not feeling very well yes uh, not quite yourself that that would seem to describe that would seem to explain rod stewart's performance of sweet caroline at the uh, oh heavens 
at the uh, which was which is quite remarkable. If you've not seen it, I would I would urge you to check it out. It's um, uh, yeah, it's up there. Uh, if you play that and back to back with um, Elton John's performance of "I'm Still Standing" during I'm the, Dil uh, Dandin, the first yes, lockdown, yes. <laughs> the old Dil Dandin, yes, I'm Dil um, Dandin, yeah, yeah, a marvelous thing. Um, uh, it was. I mean, I didn't see very much of it either. I, I've, I've caught up with it um, on social media. I, I wisely yeah. spent three days in a in a field in uh, in, in Suffolk with very little that's the uh, connectivity. That's the that is the that's the, the spirit we jubilee spirit that we like. It is. But, yeah. but Paddington Bear. Yeah, that's the one bit I may want to try and catch up on. I, I, I saw I saw stills from it, so I get the impression that. Her Madge gamely engaged with Paddington much as she did with James Bond 10 years ago. Is that the plan? She did. I mean, she was actually, you know, it's as incredible as it sounds. She was, uh, she, she, she did quite well, I would well, say. Well, the thing is, I bet she loves the Paddington movies because how could you not? Because they are two little chunks of absolute cinematic perfection. I mean, they're extraordinary, those films. They're so good that they actually make you annoyed with every other kid's film. Um, you know, because they, they make it look so effortless, you know, they, 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 and, and, and I, I went to see the first one um, with my late mum and my two kids who were both quite tiny at the time. And I was sitting there in the cinema and I realised about two thirds of the way through that I was just waiting for it to screw up because my brain had just assumed it was going to, because literally every film I used to see, particularly kids' film I used to see at the time, would have that moment, usually about half an hour, 45 minutes from the end, where it's all ticking along nicely, and then it just does something stupid, and you think, oh, what did you do that for? Great, this is a great little movie, and now it's just done that, and now we're going to sit through another hour and just get to the end. for God's sake. And I suddenly realised it's not happening. It's not coming. The moment at which this film screws up and lets the side down isn't going to happen. And I, I was, you know, genuinely startled by this because I realised I was just waiting for because I just assumed it was going to. And then, if anything, of course, the second one's even better. Um, they're just, they're extraordinary, those films. They just get everything right and they make it look so effortless. I am, um, when I went to see the first one, I was sort of marvelling at how witty the whole thing was. And then I noticed uh, uh, in the end credits, seeing a bunch of lists uh, of names of people I recognised. And it was a lot of comedy writer friends of mine. Um, yeah. and, and, and I said to one of them, uh, David Quantic, I said to Quantic, you know, what was that all about? And he said, they just roped a bunch of us in right at the end of the writing process, um, sat us around a table, gave us all a copy of the latest draft of the script and a couple of pots of coffee and a few packets of biscuits and just said, gag it up. Just, just, just get some zingers in, and um, so it, it had that sort of final layer of dialogue polish. You know, um, they got a bunch of professional gag writers in just to zinger it up a bit, which is you know. But no, where well, we are, we're meant to be talking about politics and all the jubilee, and I've been sort of you know, extolling the virtues of the Paddington movies. Well, well you can extol the virtues of Paddington and, yeah. and David Quantic all, all day for me. I, I, he's I, a good I, lad. I love, I love both of them. Um, he's a good lad. Yes, yes. He's, a, he's a great. He's yeah. a great fan. Yeah. Lee Mack made a very daring joke about Partygate, which involves standing in front of a gate and saying, this is a big party and I'm in front of a gate. If they had been unwise enough to, to invite you to do live TV during the, the Platinum Jubilee party, what, what do you think you would have done? Oh, heavens. Um, I don't know. I mean, I probably just something laced with, uh, you know, references that you can take or leave. 
but they, they would definitely have been in there. Or I would have just sang "Own Your Shit" until they cut the feet. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know. I honestly don't. You know, I mean, it's 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 one of those times. And I'm actually sort of quite glad because I mean, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm actually quite glad I'm not on sort of mainstream broadcast media at the moment because the restrictions I must be operating under it must be quite maddening you know i mean uh, it, it gets worse when they actually call an election because then actual laws kick in about what you can and can't say weirdly yeah. um, not necessarily in terms of content or how rude you can or cannot be about people but in terms of equality of airtime so you know if you spend five minutes going on about a stupid somebody is you actually kind of legally obliged to say the same thing about the opposition whether it whether it's even remotely true or not you know so uh, it's all a part of the representation of the people act you know it actually it, it affects certainly affected radio company back when i was on the radio you know we, we actually became subject to a whole new set of laws just in the, the in in the, in the weeks between the prorogation of parliament and the actual election yeah and the actual laws changed so that was weird um in the meantime, of course, talking about you know the gap between prorogation of parliament election, where do we think we're standing with Boris? What do we think? Are we are we are we going to be brave enough to put a sort of vague figure on it? Because, I mean, is this him hold below the? I mean, the trouble is with with Boris is you know you've got to remember that, you know the, the laws of civilized conduct just don't apply because yeah. he's not a civilized man, um, and it, we, we, he is the least civilized. Uh, PM in living memory. He is a man who, you know, to whom any concept of decency is completely alien. Um, and as such, you, you know, you could say that the pressures that were, you know, because obviously the, the comparison everybody's drawing, and, and James O'Brien spent almost an entire show the other morning just playing back to back the two clips of Jacob Rees Mogg reacting to this vote and the. <laughs> The vote of confidence of Theresa May, you know, which was significantly not as bad, but apparently was a crushing blow um, yeah. when it was when Theresa she had May. When to resign immediately. When she had to resign immediately. Um, but, you know, I mean, again, Jacob Reed Mogg isn't clever enough to understand how hypocritical he's being. Um, Exactly. He really is. He you would know, be he, Jacob Rees Mogg would be would be an excellent villain in Paddington Three. I I, I think. Yeah, he would, he would actually. He, yes, he'd he like would. to use you know have Paddington stuffed and use him as you know some kind of anti macassar or something like something. that. Yes, yes, yes. As him skinned and have him used to cover up chair legs. But um, yeah. no, but you know he, he's 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 an absurd booby who has no you know he is the. Dunning-Kruger principle made flesh. He's not smart enough to understand how stupid he is. He, like, regrettably, people at all levels of British society confuses expensively educated with clever. He's not. He is He is a glisteningly polished turd. Um, <laughs> you can polish a turd, but you get a shiny turd, okay? And Jacob Rees-Mogg, in educational terms, is the shiniest turd imaginable. So I don't think he's being hypocritical. I genuinely don't think he understands that he's being hypocritical. But of course, the trouble is you can't really draw the comparison between what happens next for Boris now and what happened next for every other prime minister who got this kind of a gut punch with a, a confidence vote because they would have felt subject to all kinds of pressures and obligations that he just doesn't. Yes. All um, imperatives. That kind it, of thing. Anything, anything. I mean, filling it's of like... Shame, um, filling of shame. 
No, he has no concept of shame. Shame is for little people. Um, I mean, he literally, I think he understands shame and he also gets that it doesn't apply to him. It's not that it's a completely alien concept, but he gets that, you know, it's not anything he would ever feel retrospective, you know, um, reflexively. It's not anything he would ever feel with regard to his own conduct. Um, There's a a very good um, American political writer, Sarah Kenzie, who's one of the first people to really identify what Trump was becoming and what Trump would ultimately become and what Trump would finally become if he, if he, you know, got two terms in office, which thus far he hasn't. But she said the, the analogy is it's no good exposing Donald Trump. It's no good um, trumpeting you know the crimes and sins of donald trump he absolutely does not care about getting caught he might care about being punished Mm. and that's exactly what we're looking at with boris he doesn't care what you catch him doing because he knows there's nothing you can do about it the only thing you could care about would be if there was something you could do about it now what what, what, you know gone i was going to say i mean there, there, there was an attempt to to do it wasn't there but um but, but I mean, the whole the first the, the whole few days of unpleasantness for Boris Johnson, the comfortable platinum jubilee weekend, long weekend of uh, days of which, of course, you and I very much enjoyed. That Aye. they all began with him being booed at St Paul's. Now, yes, I'm not saying this is a thing that's familiar with you during in your comedy career, but I'm sure that you've it's not entirely to, unknown to me. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you have, you've had a difficult audience or two. How do yeah. you? How do you do when people boo or, or heckle or, or just want to make trouble? How do you how do you deal with them? Well, if you've lost the room, as in the whole room has turned and you are basically no longer welcome, yes. then you 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 make as gracious an exit as possible. Yeah. You know, I mean, that has not happened to me for a long time and only very occasionally, even back when I was quite new and raw. But you can do that. You can lose the whole room and just realize I've got, you know, this room has turned against me. And if you do that, then, you know, you make as gracious an effort as uh, an exit as possible because you're not doing anybody any favors by sticking around there. You know, you, you're, you're not you're not going to get it back. You're not going to, their evening's going to get progressively worse until you leave. Your evening is going to get progressively worse until you leave. So the thing to do is, is make as dignified and rapid an exit as possible. As regards just, you know, getting lone individual hackers, hecklers, um, or even little pockets of hecklers. I've got all kinds of, you know, weapons in the arsenal to deal with them. Uh, the, the thing I don't, the thing I, 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 the mistake I see comedians make is giving them too much attention. Uh, I won't give them too much. I, I have, you know, a, a sort of a, one dismissive put down, then I've got one, maybe one nasty put down. And if they still haven't got the picture, I'm just going to talk over them until they get bored, which they do, because they're at the, at the end of the day, what they're after is attention. And if you don't give them that, they get bored. And it's the same with, you know, like when you know, your bullies used to pick on you at school, they just wanted the reaction. So if you don't react, they get bored and they pick on somebody else. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can handle hecklers, but if you've lost the whole crowd, yeah. Just get the hell out. Just leave, you know. Uh, and I think in populism terms, well, again, you know, this is it. You know, th- those who live by populism die by populism, I suppose. And it's like, he, you know, he's 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 been a panderer and a rabble rouser. And unfortunately, the rabble doesn't like him anymore. And 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 that's, you know, that's what you get, I suppose, if that's the kind of level on which you want to, which you want to run politics in this country. If, 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 you know, his whole life he's played to the gallery and the gallery 
he's lost the gallery. He's lost the gallery, yes. Yeah. He's, he's, um, he's uh, Glenn Close at the end of Dangerous Liaisons. Was, that's a very fine analogy. Yes, well done. That's that's uh, that's literally who he is. He's yeah. mad at the Murtoy being booed at the opera. Yeah. yeah that's although, although I, you know, the, in the deleted scene, Glenn Close comes out and says, well, I've, I've done really well. It's, it's a fantastic... <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, you know, again, me. ultimately, this is, this is you know, the, the other thing. And I guess some people could say that, you know, we're a part of this, but screw it, we're just a weekly newspaper about the compartmentalization of news media. I mean, if you were only reading certain newspapers, you probably would think he was, you know, romping home triumphantly because, you know, that would all have been filtered out. I mean, I've heard reports that the booing appeared to have been filtered out of the BBC coverage. Uh, yeah. I can't confirm that. I regret I wouldn't be especially surprised if that were the case, but um, one hopes it isn't. Um, but no, it's it's it's. It, it, there was. I tell you what, it is. Is it? It wasn't just Boris Johnson getting booed. It was Boris Johnson getting booed by those who you would think were his natural constituency, yeah. basically loyal Union Jack waving pensioners. <laughs> You know, when, when, when the Tory Prime Minister has lost the Union Jack-waving pensioners, I'm really not sure who he's got left. Uh, obviously, we then got to sort of almost Magic Monday. Mm -hmm. Any advice? I mean, you're in, you're, in, you're in the world of show business. Any advice on how Graham Brady could jazz this up? Because he, he has to do it quite often now, every two or three years, it, it seems. Maybe I don't know, yeah. You could maybe bring in elements of game show about it, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, one thing which, of course, I'm dying to know is who the 54 were, or indeed, was it 54? I mean, does he call it the second the 54th letter go in? Because presumably, when the tide is turning, the letters will be coming in thick and fast, so he might not have time to actually call it the minute it hits 54, you know, so it might even have been... And, of course, the, the problem that, we, that, that, that they've got now is we don't know who the 148 are, but they're 40% of the Parliamentary Conservative Party, which means that if Boris is still leader in the next election, 40% of Tory MPs are going to be campaigning to re-elect a Prime Minister they tried to get rid of. Now, that, that you know, just logically, just from a, a point of view of logical consistency, that's a bit of a problem. Um, and, of course, a lot of them are on the record now. Uh, you know, we, we, you know the, the, ones, the ones who made great show of them, I mean, Andrew Bridgen did it twice, didn't he? Blessing, little sentient wheelie bin. Anyway, he did it. He did it twice. Um, made great show of delivering his letter to the twenty-two committee, and a bunch of them have done that. And a bunch of them wrote excoriating letters on the day of the vote. You know, Jesse Normans was particularly, you know, redolent of Jeffrey Howe. You know, uh, I thought, and 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 uh, because that was somebody who's been very loyal to Boris for his entire career, and for him to very succinctly identify all the reasons that Boris should never have been Prime Minister, I thought was, was going to... On the one hand, you think, you know, you couldn't have said this five years ago, but on the other hand, you know, better late than never. But one of the, what those guys do, and the next, assuming that they seek re-election and don't end up having the whip withdrawn, which is, of course, always another possibility. I mean, was it Alexandreo pointed out that, that this essentially means that, that Boris is now running a minority government because yeah. there's an entire rebel faction uh, within the party which vastly outstrips his majority? Well, I mean, if the, yeah, if the, if the 148 start voting against it, then, you know, he's, he's, he's up against a, a, a coalition majority of about 100 seats. Well, yes, I mean, you know? exactly. Um, so that's going to be interesting 
for the next couple of years. What do you think? Do we think he's limping on for another two years? I think, I basically do. I genuinely think he will be, I mean, you know, because apparently the rules of the Tory party is they can't do this again for another 12 months. No, I'm fairly Although sure. they can change the rules. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and they have made a very, very noticeable habit of that in the past couple of years. And when the rules don't suit, just rewrite the rules. Hmm. Uh, they're trying to do it to the ministerial code as we speak. Um, but I, I, I would be fairly certain that there will be another confidence vote as soon as they feel themselves constitutionally able to do it because I do not believe Boris will ever voluntarily leave. I think he will be forcibly removed by the party before the next election or he'll lose the next election. He will not step down. I think, again, it's, it's, it's the Trump thing. He will not step down. He is not capable of admitting that degree of personal failure. No, that's right. And he also, and, you know, he likes it, doesn't he? He likes of he loves it. You know, he loves it. it, yeah. Of course yeah. he loves it. Yeah, and yeah. of course, what he's getting, of course, what may end up happening is he'll be in the same situation as Trump. The reason that Trump was so desperately trying to override the election result is because there's a very decent chance that being president was the only thing keeping him out of jail. And we may, you know, you back yourself into the kleptocrat's corner, which is that, you know, you abuse your power so lavishly while you have it, that eventually your power is the only thing keeping you out of prison. Yes, of um, And so you can't relinquish it. You, you literally can't because you're either in office or you're in jail. And, and there may well be an element of that desperation kicking in with Boris, you know, as it becomes more and more apparent, you know, because, you know, we, we know we haven't heard a fraction of the stuff. It's, it, 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 you know, according to um, old Megamind, um, they were literally lashing out six-figure bribes to tabloid newspapers in return for favourable coverage and pretending it was COVID relief. Now, fairly confident that there's, got to be a statute somewhere that prohibits that because you know we, we've seen have we not i mean that the whole covid incident was essentially repurposed into a way of funneling public money into the conservative party coffers wasn't it, it? Was. um you know vast vast you know um no contract offer you know no con no bid contracts being given out to you know friends of the family who then you know have vastly underperformed but shovel most of the money back to the Tory party in terms of donations. So who better, you know, who who better to put in charge of, of, of making a load of masks than, you know, you could on one hand, a yes. sort of mask factory in yeah. the north of England, or, or on the other hand, the bloke who works behind the bar at Matt Hancock's local pub. So. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's just money laundering. It's literally all it is. It's, it's you know, public funds, taxpayers. You know, this is, you know, you can't help wondering, where are the taxpayers' alliances of the world right now? You know, the ones who are, always, you know, you know the, 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 those, those sort of staunch libertarian, I demand to know where every penny of my tax money is going. Mm. You know, where are, the, where are those buggers been? For the past well, two years, Chloe Wesley, um, who was their PR woman, yeah. is now is now a, a, a spad to Boris Johnson. So, well, that's funnily what, enough, that's there you go. There you go. That's that's what that's what's happened to the whole. We demand full accountability in public spending. Where's every penny of my tax money? Every penny of my tax money going? I demand to know. They've all gone strangely quiet now that literally billions of it are being misappropriated it's it's uh, it's, it's almost over. as if it had nothing to do with taxation in the first place <laughs> yes indeed i mean you've you've made the very good point in in this this week's new european that of course anything that you know, one of the reasons he's so desperate to cling on is is that 
after a after a career of failing up, you know, anything he does now would be failing down, wouldn't it? There is no up to fail to. Yes, yeah. literally, there there I mean, is no up to fail to. And um, you've 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 talked about some suggestions for what he could do next. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've got a couple from the readers here. Oh, good, uh, I haven't heard you. Uh, here. Teresa Lorimer says bungle in the revamp of Rainbow, which <laughs> Matthew Scott uh, says uh, he should be used as hardcore on one of the access roads for HS2, which is good. Podrake <laughs> uh, Stapleton, new host of Would I Lie to You. Uh, Erica Groenveld, uh, living in a glass box, dangling above the Thames for as many weeks as David Blaine did. I will pay for that. Miranda Jessel, this is good. Uh, she's thought about this. That bit of kitchen roll that you put in the back of the fridge to pick up all the leaking and dripping things. Uh, Lindsay <laughs> Lancaster says, given his track record as a journalist, he would fit right in at GB News. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think GB News guy may have a you know. Well, I mean, one of the ones I said in the article, and it was one of the things where. You know, occasionally this will happen to me when I'm writing for the new. I will start writing something as a joke and get two thirds of the way through and realise that it isn't. And that was my suggestion that he take over the Late Late Show on CBS from James Cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah. suddenly I'm thinking, you know what? I wouldn't be at all surprised if he's got people looking into that. No. <laughs> I genuinely no. wouldn't, um, because you know that's now been the Brit slot for two on the top. Because before it was James, it was Craig Ferguson, you know, and and so they obviously quite like British presenters in that slot. And say, you know, he could just give full reign to his whole affected personality because Americans just think we're all like him. Yes. <laughs> International assassin, I, I like that idea as well. Yeah. <laughs> I could see him as a sort of, you know, were it not for the the, the fact that he's morally reprehensible and um, has no shame um, or, or or any sense of self awareness, as some kind of some kind of, you know, Rowan Atkinson's foil in Johnny English yes. Seven. Yes, uh, I could definitely, um, I could definitely <laughs> see that. Do you, do you, just before we let you go? I mean, yeah. a lot of people have made this point. Who still support Boris Johnson have made this point in the last few days. Do we, do we, people like you and me, do we dislike Boris Johnson because of all the lying and the uh, shamelessness and the fact that he's a moral uh, vacuum and all of that? Do we dislike him because of that, or do we really dislike him the most because he's he's actually won these things and he's he's delivered a terrible version of Brexit? He won the referendum, and we're secretly scared that he's going to win again. Well, I mean, you know, I think they're secretly scared that he's going to win again is a valid fear. I mean, you know, there, there, there are, it, you know, it is by no means, I'd say, a guarantee that he'd lose the next one because, you know, he appeals to, shall we say, the less informed end of the British voting demographic. And you can never predict what people are going to do who do things for stupid reasons. Um, you know, um, so I wouldn't absolutely discount the possibility that something could happen in the next because he's got two and a half years we're only halfway through this parliament you know i mean it, it, he's got till christmas 2024 if he wants it um so yeah I, I it is by no means a given that he's gonna lose so i think you know the idea that we're worried he might win again is in some way an invalid concern is a bit is a bit odd but you know again it's this whole thing about it's, well, this is the conversation we've been having for six years now. This whole, we won, you lost, get over it thing. It's just, it's somehow, and it's becoming increasingly apparent that the fact that the Leave side won is and was and has always been 
the only thing that mattered to a substantial, if not a majority, of Leave voters. The only thing that mattered was that they won that vote. The consequences of the vote, the result of the vote, what happens now because the vote went that way, they just don't seem to be interested in it. And are only now slowly becoming interested in all that, now that it's actually starting to bite their ass. But the, this whole thing about, and I think that's why, because people tend to apply their own priorities to other people in arguments, even if they're completely mistaken about what the other party's priorities are. So the reason they keep saying to us, they've been saying to us since 2016, you're just hurt, you're just put out because you lost, is because they're only pleased because they won. That, that That's the only good thing about it, is they won. So, yeah, we are put out because we lost, but not because we lost. We're put out because of what happens now because we lost. You know, we were, you know, we weren't worried about the fact that we lost the vote and somehow that made us look like twats. We were worried about the fact that we lost the vote and that now meant the country was going to get torn to pieces. Whereas the whole country getting torn to pieces bit just doesn't seem to have featured in their consciousness at all. It's yeah. only beginning now that it's actually happening. But whereas, you know, that the whole thing of, uh, ah, you just saw because you lost. Well, yeah, we are saw because we lost, but not because we lost. We're saw because of the consequences of us losing what are going to be what we always said they were going to be. And indeed, they are what we said they were always going to be. So this, uh, you could apply the same logic maybe to you just don't like Boris because he won. Well, we don't like that Boris won because of the ramifications of Boris winning. But the problem is not, Boris won, therefore we don't like him. The point is, Boris won, and he's a disastrous prime minister and was always going to be, and that's why we're upset Boris won. Not because of anything personal about Boris. I mean, yeah, you can have all kinds of personal objections to Boris because he's an incredibly objectionable person. He's, I mean, and, and that ultimately is what it all comes down to, is that he's not a good guy. He's just not a good person. Um, he, he's would, a fun... You know, I would and prefer that, Paddington. Well, I would prefer, you know, quite honestly, just at the moment, I prefer almost any sentient being, you know. But, but that, 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 that is fundamentally the issue with Boris Johnson. He's not a good person. He's a charming person. He's a funny person. He is, when you meet him, I've no doubt, an extremely personable person. But there is something ethically missing from that man. Mm. And we are all you know, suffering the consequences of that right now. We certainly are. We will yeah. continue to suffer, but not in silence. No. Uh, what's, um, what's coming up from you next? What are you doing? Uh, I've got a gig in Dunmo on Friday night, so I shall have to figure out where Dunmo is. Okay. And then... Um, Local the newspaper in Dunmo, the Dunmo Broadcast. Well, there you go. Hello, Dunmo Broadcast. Um, I'm in Dunmo on Friday night. I, I've got... Uh, well, basically, the preparations for Edinburgh are beginning in earnest. Um, my show is called It's About Time. It's on the underbelly at, I think, about four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so I'm writing that right now. I'll be previewing it in various places around the country towards the end of July. And then I'll be up in Edinburgh for the whole of August. And then I will be on tour for the rest of the year. So after Edinburgh finishes at the end of August, I've got like two weeks off. And then from like mid-September onwards, right up to Christmas, I'll be schlepping up and down the country with um, a version of the show I've just done in Edinburgh, which is called It's About Time and It's About 
time. <laughs> well, we well. shall look forward to that. And it's always <laughs> a pleasure and never a chore to hear from you, Mitch Ben. Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much to Mitch Ben to read him on Boris Johnson's next job and to get full access to his archive of columns for the New European. You can subscribe the neweuropean.co.uk slash TNE podcast. That's the neweuropean.co.uk slash TNE podcast. Before we go to the Hall of Shame, a quick reminder uh, that Series 1 and Series 2 of Charlie Connolly's Great European Lives podcasts are available right now. They tell the life stories of remarkable Europeans in 10-minute bites. You can find them where you got this podcast. Just search for the New European Great European Lives podcast. So finally, it's time for the Hall of Shame, where we put blowhard backbenchers, malevolent ministers, putrid pundits, things that annoy me generally. Uh, Brendan Clark-Smith, Redwall Tory MP for Bassett Law, is in the Hall of Shame. He told the Jeremy Vine show, I'm getting a bit sick and tired of people using personal tragedies with COVID for party political agendas. Yeah, those moaning bereaved bastards. Lord David Frost is back in the Hall of Shame, the High Priest of Brexit, tweeted this week. Reminder, being in the single market, but not in the EU, means accepting lots of laws set by people we didn't elect and we can't get rid of. Uh, a good point there made by the uh, unelected and unflushable Lord David Frost. And Widdicombe is in the Hall of Shame every week for a terrible column in the Terrible Daily Express. And she continues to say things that the others wouldn't say, uh, largely because those things are really rather stupid. Uh, long rant uh, by Anne this week about the conduct of Prince Louis uh, at the Platinum Jubilee. She found it disgraceful, uh, thinks that uh, his mum should take him in hand, uh, which I would say he's for get a life. Uh, and the, on the vote of no confidence, Anne is so exasperated with the plotters that she writes... I give daily thanks that I am no longer in Westminster. Finally, something in an Anne Widdicombe column that we can all agree with. But foremost in the Hall of Shame this week is Nadine Doris, who's been especially candid. While throwing Jeremy Hunt under the bus, she said that the Conservatives had left the NHS wanting and inadequate when the pandemic hit. Uh, and she said this before the confidence vote. Conservative Party donors have said they are not going to support the party if Boris Johnson is removed. £80 million they have donated to the Conservative Party. The rebel MPs need to hear that message. Well, and everyone else needs to hear it too, because it makes clear who's really running the Conservative Party and the country. It's not Nadine Doris and her boss, is it? It's 18 billionaires and multimillionaires, because money talks. And when the bullshitter finally walks, I want to end uh, with one more thought on a new job for Boris Johnson. What could he do? Surely no sensible electorate would ever re-elect a lying, boastful bully with stupid hair. So what about a not very sensible electorate? The next job Boris Johnson does, and he was born in New York after all, should clearly be the President of the United States of America. That was the New European Podcast with Steve Anglesey. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Mitch Ben. He was terrific. And thanks, as always, to our producer, Eleanor Longman-Rood. 
a reminder of our special offer for new subscribers. If you go to the neweuropean.co.uk slash TNE podcast, you can join us for the great price of just £1 a week for digital, £2 a week for print and digital. That's the neweuropean.co.uk slash TNE podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode of the New European podcast, please subscribe. Oh, and please give us nice reviews, uh, lovely ratings too. That would be great. You can join our Facebook readers group. You can follow at the New European on Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter too, if you like. It's at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Until the next time we meet, so long, snowflakes. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.